Go ahead and have a seat. So, Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for this new day and for the beginning of this Advent season. We pray you would prepare our hearts um, to celebrate together your birth, Jesus. Um, and that through us, the world may experience hope, love, joy, and peace. Thank you, Jesus. Um, amen. So, good morning. Welcome. This is Faith Community. Uh, my name is Peter Horton. I'm service leading and kind of teaching slash discussion leading today. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 1. And then uh, Jillian Crowsdale and her, um, her family are leading us in musical worship. Uh, which is great and it'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, Lori also has a reading, an Advent reading for us. Um, by the way, we only have one candle this week, but next week we're going to do something fun. We're going to actually decorate the church together as a part of the service, and so we'll be setting up an Advent wreath then. Uh, just an FYI. So, but this, there are there are four candles in an Advent wreath, right? Um, hope, love, joy, and peace. And today it's hope. And so my, I'm not sure if the other service leaders slash teachers on the team are going to focus on uh, the, their candle, but I'm going to at least try to tie it in with the message that we're, we're bringing from Luke chapter 1 and the discussion we have on hope. Um, anyway, so I don't know if you know this, but hope is a virtue, right? It's actually one of, uh, it's called a theological virtue because it comes out of scripture, um, like faith, hope, and love, right? Um, and it's not to be tied to our present circumstances, similarly like joy, but is to be found in all circumstances or situations. It's, it comes out of our relationship with God, right? We know that even if the world crumbles and things are falling apart, that we, that we still can trust and hope in the Lord and the future that he's promised to us. Um, even if nothing goes right, we still have God. G.K. Chesterton says, hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it's no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. So may we be filled with hope today, may we be a, a place of hope. And we are faith community, right? We are people who see what God is building in others and call it out. We are people who spontaneously love our enemies and return blessing for cursing. We are a people who remind each other who we really are whenever we forget. We are a people who share others' pain even when we have caused it. We are people who are happy to be together. We create environments of joyful belonging. We are people who value relationships above performance or productivity or political views. We are a people who are faithful friends. I will not abandon you even when we have conflict. We are a people who love, whose love for God, each other and our neighbors is above all else. Yeah. I wanted to do something today, and I want to start this. I haven't talked with anyone about it, so you can give me your opinion. But often when I come to the service and I'm leading, I'd like to pray about something. But honestly, I'm worried at times if I pick a topic. Um, and this is honest, right? Some people might uh, confer it to be a political motivation. That's not true. Like, I feel like we have all these things we need to be praying for together as a family. So we're just going to start prayers of the people like other traditions do, and just pray for the various aspects of, of, the, of, our, of creation and, and, and the world and society that are in need of prayer, right? Because we always in need of prayer. So let's, let's pray a little bit together. It's just going to be a very brief prayer this time. 
and others as they lead it can expand if they want, right? So Lord, we pray today that you would, you would guide our prayers and that through our prayers you would, you would reach out and you would touch those around us, the world we live in and all of creation. So we pray for our world, Lord. We pray for wisdom. We pray for an end to political scheming um, around the current pandemic. We pray, God, that you would humble us before you and admit we need your help and deliverance in this time. We pray that you would save us, Lord. And from those suffering from the pandemic, from famine, from war, Lord, have mercy and show us how we can bless and help them. Um, Lord, we pray for your creation. Lord, in all that you've given us, we thank you for it. We thank you for the beauty. We thank you for the way it provides. We pray that you would help us be better stewards of the gift you've given us and treat it with, treat it with the respect and honor it deserves as a reflection of the fact that we serve you. We pray for our nation, Lord. We pray for unity and peace instead of division, for the ability to love one another and share the limited resources we have, for our ability to help all those in need, be they citizen or guest. We pray for our state and our and city, for those suffering physical and mental trauma after what happened at the parade last week. Lord, have mercy on them and reveal your presence to them in their suffering and bring healing to their souls. And Lord, we pray for our body, for our church. Help us to know your way forward for us in this season. God, unite us together as one. God, bring us and help us to know more and more who you are creating us to be and who we are in you. Thank you, Father, for this new day and for this opportunity to gather together in hope to love and experience your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I invite you now to Advent and that tradition of the church, this being the first Sunday of Advent. I invite you to this season, looking for the light, to witness, to be witnesses of the light, to be aware of the light, raise our awareness of the light in the world opening ourselves to reflect the light that God is, reflecting it, and then to be a light, to have the indwelling Emmanuel in us. From the um, Common Book of Prayer, I'm going to read the first Sunday of Advent, the Collect. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light now and in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both living and the dead, we may raise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And I'm going to just read from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all may believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and he was in the world, though the world was made through him and the world yet did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in the place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, and no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who himself, God, and who is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made known, has made him known. Wow, right? God, we thank you that you come and you come again. And each morning there's a sunrise at, at the day sets and the seasons go round and round and you just try to teach us how you come you come to us you show us the way there's death and there's resurrection amen amen thank you Lori Jillian Lucy for leading us in musical worship so yeah so Earlier this month, I led a prayer exercise for InterVarsity students on campus. It's called Emmanuel Prayer or an Emmanuel Devotional. You may recall it. We've tried to do it from time to time. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a place where you recall a positive memory in, in a time when you experience the presence of God in your life, and you re-enter it and recount what happened until you begin to experience appreciation, and then in the memory you invite Jesus' presence to be with you, and you interact with him and dialogue with him, and it's, it's really a great way to connect relationally with God in a safe place, um, especially if you're struggling with things in the present. Um, you can meet with and encounter him and discuss what's going on in your life, um, and you can receive uh, tremendous healing. And we're going we're gonna to use this in a prayer encounter room at the Urbana Missions Conference, and so I wanted to test it out with students on campus my guinea pigs. Um, and to be honest, it felt like it was pretty much hit, hit or miss. Um, 
Uh, didn't quite go as I'd hoped. The response was kind of flat. The students, when I asked them questions, just stared at me, which is always a bad sign, right? Unless you recognize that the group you're speaking with, that's normally how they respond when you ask them a question, right? A lot of introverts in this particular group. They don't like to get up and share. Um, I think I had to, I was saying that to myself to console myself afterwards, beginning to wonder if this was going to work. But we did a survey, and afterwards I read through some of the responses, and the responses were a lot better than the, you know, in the survey than they were when we were there. The students said things like it, it was an amazing experience. Um, this was the first time I felt like I could see Jesus with me uh, in a memory and just be with him. Um, and then another word, God is with us through Emmanuel, exclamation point, right? Um, but w- what really stuck with me, though, was the staff experience I had. So I asked the staff, this is a, a young woman who was a student here, young, she's in her 30s, I should say, young for me, right? Um, I, uh, her name is Brittany. She's a leader here at the UW. I knew her as a student, um, you know, and then she came on staff. So she's been on staff for around 10 years. And um, she, she was going to do the demonstration with me, and she picked a memory. I don't remember what the memory was. Uh, but afterwards, I asked her how it went, and she said, well, actually, the memory I shared wasn't the one that the Lord gave me. And I said, well, why didn't you use it? And she said, well, I didn't know what to do because the memory that the Lord gave me was of giving birth. This was my happy experience of encountering God. I don't know how many of you women who have given birth say you experienced God while that was happening. Yeah, not everyone. So I wouldn't say it's the typical experience of giving birth, is it, right? And, I'm, and, and I do think in some cases it does happen. Um, but, and I said to her, well, you're talking about the end part where they, like, they give you your newborn baby, right? And she said, no, no, the entire experience was an encounter with God. I honestly didn't know how to respond. Because I've heard it's like the, one of the most painful things a woman experiences in her life, right? Um, and, you know, seen videos of it and just thought the whole thing was like, is this normal? That was the question. And uh, I was like, well, well, bless you. I guess that's why you have five children. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I was thinking, right? But there is something about, about the, the idea of having a child, right? Carrying a child in you as a woman. I can't ever imagine what that's like or ever experience it myself. And Lori and I were, were never able to do that, although we have the wonderful experience of raising children. Um, there is something about having a child in you, I would guess, and carrying it that must be kind of glorious and amazing when you think about it, when you're able to get past some of the complications that come along with it. So today we're going to look at, um, at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 56. This is where the angel visits Mary and tells her that she will give birth to Jesus. And then Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, right, in response. Um, Lori, Lori and Adele are going to help me. They can uh, go and they're going to come up. If you guys could pass out those sheets before you come up, I've got a little bit of background information. I think it's really important to have some of the background information before we, we read this. And by the way, this is going to be like I've been doing the past couple months. We're, I'm going to uh, give you background information. We're going to read it and then we're going to discuss a couple simple questions in groups around the passage because. I know that you all have, um, we're not going to the big screen yet, Jeff. Um, I know that you all have um, uh, thoughts that are uh, better than mine, some of them, right? Anyway, so just so you know, I didn't realize this. I always thought like long engagements are a problem. You know, like I never think a long engagement is wise. There's a lot of reasons for that. I won't go into the details. 
I typically encourage people to make their engagements as short as possible. Um, but it was typical for a betrothal period to be a, about a year in Jewish society at the time. Um, and uh, the, the couples, especially in Galilee, were never left unchaperoned together. There was always someone with them, right? So if, one, if the woman got pregnant, something was going on, right? That had nothing to do with those two. Um, it involved in a financial agreement between families, and it could be ended only by divorce or death. Uh, and of course, it, it concluded the betrothal period ended on the wedding night. Um, uh, just a couple other notes about this. Um, uh, uh, the angel says, uh, kind of alludes to the fact that Jesus will be a descendant of David, and, and descendancy came through the male and not the female. Mary was not related to David, but Joseph was. But the, this is the technicality that you need to recognize. Any legal son of Joseph would be considered a son of David. So it didn't have to be the blood of David. It just had to be a legal son. So if Joseph adopted Jesus as his son or took him in, it wouldn't be a formal like process before a judge. He would be considered of the line of David, right? Um, that's an important point that I always kind of wondered about. Um, also, you note that the angel in this passage will talk about Mary being highly favored. It's a very unusual greeting for someone who was of low status like Mary. She was not, she was not rich and famous. She wasn't, in, she wasn't of royal blood. There wasn't anything special about her. She was just a normal, everyday woman, all right? A young woman at this, in fact, she was probably like between the ages of like 13 and 15, which for us just seems insane. And Adele's too old to play her part, but she's going to anyway, right? Which is just weird when you think about it. I think Adele's not old enough to be married yet, but in that day, she would have already had two children probably or more, right? Um, and, uh, and so that's an important note as well. Like Mary is very young, but she's not. You know what I mean? Culturally speaking, she wasn't young. She was of childbearing age. She was considered a woman in the culture at the time. And probably her maturity was equal to that, right? Of a young woman rather than of a, what we think of a teen as today as being a, still a child. Um, yeah, it's so interesting thing. One other point I want to make um, is, uh, is there's all sorts of allusions here to messianic prophecy. As you look at this passage, um, as well as uh, as you look at what the angel says, he, just note there are, there are a lot of, of pieces in here that reflect on the fact that this is the Messiah, um, and also, uh, especially Isaiah 7:14, that says the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be pregnant and she will have a son and she will name him Emmanuel. All right. Um, but also uh, um, Isaiah 9, uh, right? Uh, and this is it. Uh, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it's, it with righteousness and justice from that time on forever, right? He will be a king and sitting on his father's throne, right, David. Um, and you see this, the angel says this in the proclamation. Um, so there's just, it's just a really kind of rich passage when you recognize what's behind it, and the culture that's wrapped up in it as well. Um, one other thing I want to note that's really important before we get into it. Um, often we look at this through the eyes of a 21st century people. Um, the, they, they saw things very differently. The, the woman's identity was very much tied into having children and who her children were. Like I, like I know for any of us who are parents here, we, we feel a great sense of joy and we're blessed when our, when our children do well, right? We like to talk about it. We like to share it with others. And it's hard for us when our, when our children struggle. We're still proud of them, but it's not easy. 
but it was there was a different level of your identity being tied into being able to give birth to a child and who that child would become for Mary and her generation, right? And so we think about it from that perspective. It was very important to note uh, there was a lot of honor in giving birth to a king. So that's an important note as well before we read this. So, okay, so we're going to read the passage together. We're doing it in parts just for fun. So is this on? Not yet. Okay, do I need to turn it on? Yeah, okay. All right. You want to do it that way? You can take your, oh, I forgot. You can take your mask off. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, since I am a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remember, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, 
just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Thank you. So we're going to go ahead and break up into groups like threes are a good size. Just find some people around you, make some circles. And I'm going to have you look at the first two questions, all right? They're basically, what do we learn about Mary and what do we learn about God? And I, the reason I ask this is because the bigger question I have is why, why did Jesus, why did God choose Mary to be the mother of Jesus? That's the bigger question. But what do you learn about Mary and what do you learn about God? So why don't we go ahead and break up into groups and just talk about that. And you can look through the passage and see what you see um, in it. Does that sound good? All right. Okay, we're going to bring this conversation together and just share. Okay, so first, what did you hear? What did you learn about Mary now? Not the obvious, right? She was a virgin, right? She was in Nazareth. She'd grown up there. She was of lowly birth. She was just an ordinary person. She was engaged to be married to Joseph, right? Those are all obvious things. What else did you learn about her? Anybody? She didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> she didn't have a cell phone. Anybody want to share? What did you learn about Mary? We kind of talked about how she has this combination of like meek humility, but also this kind of fiery confidence yep. in God. And yep. So she gets kind of bold at the end. Yep. Good. Anyone else? Remember, trying to ask the question, why did God choose Mary? Matt. When you look at the narrative in Luke, it just seems like she had no idea this was coming. All of a sudden, an angel shows up and kind of lays all this out, and she's like, okay. <laughs> it just seems, I mean, in one sense, it seems unrealistic, but in another, it's like, it just seems profound. And it just intrigues me as to who is Mary? Anyone else? From from her praise slash prayer, um, we learn that she knows a lot about God already. You know, and this is why she's confident. I think she just goes praises him for all his different attributes that she knows about him. Good. 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 Well, what did you learn about God from the from the passage? What struck you? He gives grace to the humble. God looks for openness of heart.
able to trust her. I believe he honestly knows Mary and can trust that she will follow. His mercy extends to from generation to generation. That's comforting for parents and grandparents. Even if you just look at Mary's uh, song, right, we can learn a lot about the Lord, not just in his actions. Uh, I was just thinking that for me it's you know comforting that when God makes a choice it's the right choice I don't have to worry whether I'm the right choice or you know whatever happens because he makes the right choice that's good well go ahead and look at the next question you can discuss this together I think uh, Alex was on this already um, so how does this speak to you about God's choosing you Right, and his purposes that he has for your life. So how does this speak to you? How does this story speak to you? How does this story speak to you? Encourage you, bless you. I find it very encouraging because um, it's an example of a very simple, humble person who God chooses to work in a pretty spectacular way. And I think... All of us are chosen, and all of us have a divine destiny, but it's our responsibility to be connected and to be good listeners and to and to seek God's partnership. And I think the only thing that prevents us is being closed off and not not connecting. I, I think we can assume that Mary did a good job in fulfilling her purpose uh, after Jesus was born and raised. But it was not an easy, it doesn't look like it would have been an easy uh, experience for her. I'm, I'm sure the, the youth days could have been wonderful. And I'm sure Jesus was an ideal child. But um, even at, at age 12, they had that sort of strange experience. And then when he his public life began, it when he was... He was told your 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 parents or your 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 family is waiting for you and and he has that uh, unusual response and then of course he he dies and uh, it was probably a pretty tough road for Mary.
God uses ordinary people, and he uses humble people. And just, if we're open to seek God and his will first, he's open to use us as a willing vessel. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Don't have to be exceptional. And if we know God and trust him, great things can happen. Yeah. I, I think I'm encouraged as a parent. Um, you know, we all have difficult roads to follow, but we can all believe and count on the fact that we were called to raise our children, right? To be parents, to love them, and to help them, you know, kind of discover the destiny that God has for their lives, which is what we all long for for parents. So, but we know that God God is with us and can help us. Let, let me just share my thoughts on the passage overall, real quick. Um, you know, so the big question, why did God choose Mary, right? So, um, you know, I, I think it's important to note that time and place really matter, right? She was at the right place at the right time. <laughs> you look at that way. Maybe that was what she was born for. I'm sure in many ways God knew that from when she was born, right? From when he knit her together in her mother's womb. Um, she was born and raised in Nazareth, right? Um, she was pledged to be married, which could last up to a year. So before the baby was born, which would prevent scandal, right? Uh, she was married. She was lowly, in a sense, not that uh, significant or well-known as a person. She was an ordinary person. And she was related to Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of John the Baptist, and there was something important there as well. Um, all these were important for the honor that she was given. Uh, I think it's because Jesus was a man just like us. He wasn't born as a, as a king in the world, in the worldly sense, or rich in the worldly sense. Um, politically powerful, he was just born a man, a simple man, a carpenter, right, is what he became. Um, but most important, um, I think for Mary, was the fact that she was engaged to Joseph, who was a direct descendant of David. You really have to keep that in mind. Um, you know, she, they, it, she, it had to be someone who was related to David, who would be, who that family that could be born into, Jesus would be born into. But I, but I honestly believe the biggest reason the Lord chose her was because of her heart, which is, Right, right. It was it was because he knew her heart. It was because she was humble and um, uh, she was a joyful person. And God knew that bef- even before He chose her. And she was quick to submit and obey the Lord when He when the angel came before her. Most of us would be. Can you imagine if that happened to you? How you would respond? Can you give me some time to think about this? I'm slightly overwhelmed. Right. Um, but instead, she goes, "May it be to me as you have said." You know, it's almost an immediate response. Of course. Of course, God, whatever. How many of us respond like that when the Lord tells us to do something? More often than not, we're like, I'm not sure, God. You do have the right person, you know. Uh, I've had plenty of examples like that when I felt the Holy Spirit nudging me to go talk with a stranger or even pray with someone I knew for healing or something along those lines. And my first thought was like, ah, I don't want to do this. If it fails, I'm going to look foolish, right? Um, and, and here she is. She's willing to do this crazy thing. You know, maybe there was some naive, naivete there. She was very young, right? Maybe. And maybe some enamor, right? To be the mother of God, the son of God, right? That's pretty amazing. Um, and not knowing how hard it was going to be in the end, what he was really called or destined to. Um, but what came to my mind, it was I, as this question came to my mind, was, uh, was, was David. Was David and what the Lord said about him, right? Um, when us, you know, Samuel was looking 
out. He said, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him, speaking of one of the other brothers. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And the Lord knew the heart of Mary. And I think he knows our heart too, right? As imperfect as our hearts are. Um, and we have to recognize that she wasn't perfect. She was, she was uh, a human, like we are. She had her faults, but the Lord chose her. Uh, so the Lord chooses all of us, imperfect as we are, and we all have, I would say this honestly, like I struggle with mixed motives when it comes to serving the Lord. Often I make decisions and say yes to things because I know there's something in it for me. I, I don't think I've ever said yes to something where I knew the cost was really high on on my part, except maybe doing inner city ministry. <laughs> and I didn't want to do that, but the God, God just kind of like, you don't have a choice. That's how I felt, right? Um, I mean, even when it came to saying yes to adopting Adele and Jake, um, there was a great joy. Um, we really believed that it was the Lord's will. I've shared the circumstances before about how it happened, the prayers that were prayed, and how God guided and directed us totally of the Holy Spirit. Um, but as you know, we long for children, and so there was a part of us that was like, I really want a child, so I'm going to say yes to that, right? Um, we learn a lot about her character in this. She's humble, she's, you know, and quick to respond. She's obedient. Um, uh, e but even though it was a great honor uh, to be chosen, there was some thought of the potential cost, right, the potential shame that could come if Joseph chose not to marry her. But I also think she was a person of faith. I really think when the, the angel said that he will sit on his father's throne, David, she understood the reality that if he doesn't marry me, he won't be a descendant of David. Jesus won't be, so he's going to marry me. I don't know that you recognize that, but I think that was a clear sign the angel was saying, don't worry, God's got it covered. This is going to happen, right? Um, and she had a crazy experience with an angel and didn't lose her mind like many of us would have. Um, and she didn't go out and brag to everybody, guess what, I'm going to give birth to the Son of God, bow down and worship me, right? She didn't do anything like that. Um, and, and she sings this wonderful, beautiful praise song. Uh, and I don't know if you know this, but this is so easy, so cool, the connections, it really lines up with Hannah's song. When she gave thanks to God for, for Samuel, who was the one who anointed David to be king. There's all these crazy connections in this, right? It's all prophetic, it's all kind of, it comes full circle. Um, and, you know, there's, there's many things we can learn uh, from Mary for us to apply to our own lives. I was just really struck by it, right? She's like us, right? She's, she's not that, it's not a big deal, and yet God chooses to do amazing things through her, which someone said, right? And, and even more, what happens in Mary is very much like what happens in us, right? So through the power of God, right, she had the Son of God living in her, and through the power of God, we have the Son of God living in us. We are pregnant with God, if you could think of it that way, right? That's the cool thing. And, and the fruit of her womb give, give, uh, give glory and honor, not just to her, but to the whole world. And the fruit of our, our lives, not our wombs necessarily, right? But of our lives and the fact that Christ is in us is supposed to give glory and honor to, uh, to God and to us as well, right? We receive some also. The Holy Spirit comes on us. The power of the Most High overshadows us, and we are filled with the Spirit of Jesus, the Son of God, and a new life is created. That's us. We are born anew. We are made into new creations. That's cool. That's why this story parallels our lives. She was the first, if you could think of it that way in some ways. Um, and, 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 be, and because of this, um, we, we can stay in this. We, be, we are new creations. But to stay in this new creation is very much like what Eric said. Um, and mind you, this totally lines up with what Lori read this morning in John. 
John chapter 1, right? We all have the opportunity uh, for Christ to be born in us. I forget how it goes. But, but through the presence of Jesus and our internet, intimate connection with him and the Father through Holy Spirit, we also bear fruit, fruit that will last. And what are the fruit that we're seeking for in this season? They're virtues, right? Hate, hope, faith, love, and joy. Right? That's, that's what we're supposed to give birth to in this season, if you want to look at it that way. It's crazy when you think of it, but all the guys were like, I can't imagine that, right? But as I was reading this, again, what also came to me was Colossians 1. Um, we have hope, and this is the tie-in with hope, right? It's, it's this. It's, um, there is, uh, this is where hope comes in. Um, it says, uh, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? That's it. That's the that's the glorious rich. There's this mystery of the fact that God is in us, right? And because of that, we have a relationship with Him, right? And that will that brings glory, not just to Him, but to us. Present, past, future glory that we can all experience. We are all pregnant with the Son of God, and we can all give, metaphorically speaking, birth to Jesus through our lives. And through the virtues that we all display. So we're going to do something really quickly. It's a simple question. Since the focus of the virtue of hope today, where do you need to experience this virtue of hope in your life? Not just experience, but express it to others. So when they see you, regardless of the situation or circumstances, they can see hope. Right? We have Holy Spirit in us. We are favored by God as Mary was. Right? And because of that, we can give birth to this fruit, this fruit of hope. So let's take a minute just to pray. I'm just going to invite the Lord's presence and ask him, God, to show us where that can happen in all of our lives. And, and not just for that, but for us as a body, okay? So maybe you'll get one or both of these. So Lord, thank you for the fact that, that um, you live in us through your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us uh, every day. Thank you for the new life that you've created within us. And we want to be able to express that virtue, that, that good fruit, so that others can see it. Uh, and uh, be, be seen and become fully mature as we long to be in Christ. And so we pray, Lord, that you would show us where we need to experience the virtue of hope in our life right now. Just take a minute and ask the Lord. as this thing comes to your mind, I want you to lift this, this up, this person, this circumstances, this situation to the Lord and ask him to take this thing and to place in your heart hope for this reality. Hope that he will work. Hope that good will come. Hope that his will will be done, whatever it is that you long for. Just pray for that right now. Yeah, Lord, um, we do give these things to you and trust them to you and pray for hope, God. Not just hope in our hearts, but hope that expresses itself through our lives as well that others can see um, and know that there's something different about us. Um, whatever we brought, God, we trust that you know this situation even better than we do. Um, and uh, you have a way forward. So show us what it is and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
So I pray hope for us this Christmas Advent season. We'd all be able to experience it and express it in our life to others. And I pray too more and more we'd kind of carry that idea of we have Jesus, the presence of Jesus within us, right? Going with us wherever we are. We are pregnant with Jesus and that we want to give birth to the fruit, the virtue that that is supposed to in all of our lives.